In more than 120 countries, Sequent is evolving the way civil engineering organizations work through better subsurface understanding. With our trusted software for analyzing and modeling the subsurface, engineering consultants, constructors, and owner-operators find solutions to their challenges and make smarter, faster, and more sustainable decisions. As the Bentley subsurface company, Sequent connects the built world above ground with the hidden world below. Together, we are helping build a more resilient future. Welcome to the latest episode of the Engineers Collective. I'm Claire Smith and I'm editor of New Civil Engineer. And today I'm co-hosting this episode with our assistant news editor, Rob Hakimian. And today we're going to be talking about how the use of the cloud is improving data management in construction. Most of us have probably got our music or our photos stored in the cloud. So I'm sure you're already familiar with the concept and the convenience it offers. The same is true for the construction sector, and today we're going to be exploring some of the past, present and future infrastructure projects to look at in detail how cloud-based data management is changing how we plan, design and deliver infrastructure. To really demonstrate the change, we're going to focus in on the ground engineering sector, and we have two special guests joining us to share their knowledge on the impact managing data differently is having on the modelling for projects, as well as the people doing the work. But before we introduce them to set the scene, I'm going to share some insight from a recent survey from Sequent about the impact data use is having on GA professionals. So here are some headline stats that jumped out for me from the report that followed on from that survey. Nearly a quarter of GA professionals in the civil engineering industry devote more than 30% of their working hours to data management. 67% have data organised in various different systems that are not always centralised. Just over a third said they intended to implement data management frameworks in the next 12 to 18 months. And finally, 85% said they're ready to adopt the cloud, but perceive barriers including reliability, lack of skill or capability and cost. It's that last point about the barriers as well as the opportunities that we will be discussing today with our guests. They are Simon Miles, who is Chief Geotechnical Engineer at Atkins Realis, and Stephanie Boffy Rawlings, who is Senior 3D Geological Modeler and Spatial Data Specialist at Atkins Realis. Simon is a chartered civil engineer and has been championing the use of geotechnical digital data since he graduated, and he is now a recognised authority on the subject. He is a long-standing member of the Association of Geotechnical and Geoenvironmental Specialists AGS Data Management Working Group, and he is a co-author of the Geotechnical Data Management Standard BS8574. In his role with Atkins Realis, Simon has responsibility for promoting and enabling exemplary geotechnical data management practices across the engineering services sector of the firm. Stephanie is a chartered geologist specialising in ground modelling and has almost 10 years experience using various drawing and modelling computer packages. At Atkins Realis, she has acted as data manager for multiple large multidisciplinary projects and contributed to the BIM standard adoption within her practice. Within the company, Stephanie is the onshore ground modelling lead, championing the use of software to develop various ground models for the teams and clients. She says that good quality data is critical to successful delivery of her work. So welcome to the Engineers Collective to you both. Hi, lovely to be here. Hello. Great, good to have you both. 
So I briefly mentioned in the intro about how many of us are already using the cloud for data storage. But can you talk me through how it works for civil engineering projects and what it's currently used for? Yeah, sure. Um, government mandated level two BIM for all civil en- uh, civil infrastructure projects is usually manifested in use of project wires or similar common data environments and possibly a 3D integrated model all hosted in the cloud. But often these stop at the ground surface. So there's a real challenge for the ground engineering industry in extending these underground and in particular to representing the geology because it's a continuum. Cloud-based CDEs for general project management is reasonably well adopted, particularly for major projects. But we'll talk about cloud-based geotechnical data and the difference this can make for the collection and utilisation of ground uh, investigation and ground data. So cloud-based geotechnical data management brings the same advantages to geotechnical data that are reasonably well established for project management information. So report and drawing file sharing in a common data environment through the likes of ProjectWise or EB. It's a single source of truth for everybody involved. I'm glad you made that point about the single source of truth. I was going to ask you about the common data environment, what that actually meant, because I'm not sure everybody would know. Stephanie, did you have something to add to that? I was just like to add that actually, yes, we have these um, industry-wide BIM standards and how we feed into that um, information sharing as a discipline that uh, is looking into a section of the um, project delivery that is quite uncertain um, is can be really useful for helping our teams and clients and everyone else understand what we're dealing with um, feeding into that single source of truth um, and collaboratively working is something that BIM really does enable us to deliver um, and communicating such things of uncertainty of the ground um, it's really useful to have something that everyone can rely on as a one source of truth. So Atkins has been described as an early adopter of cloud-based ground engineering data management but when did you first make the move to using the cloud for geotechnical work and what were the initial hopes and concerns there? I think it's really important to first actually um, define what cloud data is. Um, So it's a way of sharing um, saving information on a remote database and to retrieve it on demand um, and then you can have issues um, resolution being streamlined um, that access through the web um, is really important for this cloud um, platform um, and that's really fantastic for um, remote or, or silo teams and that's something that we see is really important with international working um, and different teams working um, on designs across the globe, as well as um, people doing their analysis on site and data collection on remote site access. Having live um, access to the data is fantastic. Uh, We started this journey in spring 2019. There was a learning curve, particularly in the back office where we needed to get it established. We did have some concerns about needing to get everybody on board, our own team, as well as contractors and clients setting it as a standard. And there was a big question around data security at a corporate level. But this was taken care of by the um, software vendors. At the time, it was Kinetics, now Bentley. So most of the issues was in the back office. Uh, We needed to transfer our data sets over from our own on-premise database servers into the cloud database servers. 
And we needed to move away from Excel, CSV files, encouraging confidence in data and maintaining that single source of truth. That's particularly the case for big projects with multiple stakeholders, maybe even joint ventures. So collaboration with the data could become so much easier than it was before when we had to navigate our, our corporate security processes. Great. So before we explore what the cloud has delivered for you on your current projects, can we take a step back and explore another project that was delivered before the move to the cloud and look at the challenges conventional data management brought for you there? Sure. Um, we'll go back to the A14, Cambridge Huntington. Uh, quite a big project, a design joint venture, also a construction joint venture with two design organisations and, as it happened, two construction organisations across three pro three contracts. So we had common standards, but we had duplicated data since we couldn't overcome the corporate security protocols, which effectively prevented people in external organisations logging into Atkins systems and RIT. So we had synchronisation challenges. Um, we were essentially forced into a geographical split of the design to limit these issues at the design stage and try and keep everybody's problems contained. But it did require strong data management processes to ensure that the data remained current for both organisations. But of course, one had to be the master copy. And as it happened, that was the Atkins copy because we had the data manager. So what, what challenges did that bring you on that project in terms of the people? Did it Was it quite frustrating for people not to be able to access the other data or were there lessons that we learned on one part of the project that weren't transferred to another? I think if we that project does have those problems and we had those problems on a lot of other projects. Um, another type of example that we could look at is that um, looking at projects that on rail and having snake grid um, um, the need for snake grid coordinate system and that again having duplicates of projects um, and all of that builds into the frustration that was seen by all teams and everybody included um, you have lots of different data that you can't necessarily rely on um, and the contractors might not necessarily know how they need to deliver the data the labs also having to look at how they're delivering data to us um, and the client, how they can actually see um, their data. Everyone becomes quite siloed um, and that's one of the key problems that we have. And without good data management and that open conversation, you're always going to have those issues. Great. So can you give us an example of a major project that followed on from the A14 work that did use cloud-based data management and outline the, the scope of the work you were doing there and what difference having a single source of truth for your data had on that work? Sure. So um, we won a set of projects, set of schemes with Highways England, as it was, just shortly after we transferred over to, to cloud data management. And this was the M25 regional investment schemes, I think, the first set. So it's a collection of four to five junction improvement schemes around the M25, all at the same ground investigation outline design stage and all adopted essentially identical data management practices. So we'll use M25 junction 10 as our specific example, but all four or five did exactly the same thing. Um, 
essentially we were all on a learning curve. Us, the client, the contractors, everybody. But because we created a data management plan up front, right at the beginning, it meant that everybody was pulling in the same direction. Everybody knew what the requirements were and everyone had some input. Um, also, because we moved to cloud, we were uploading GI data directly to the cloud database from the contractors. And that eliminated quite a lot of the to and fro caused by format errors that you might get in email data files. Since the software in the cloud checks it for format errors in the same way that uh, an email data file might not be, be checked quite so thoroughly. And this allowed us, the designer site team, to concentrate on the content and extracting value from the data rather than spending hours just correcting the format. But we also had weekly data management meetings on site, which helped iron out any teeth and troubles of our new way of working, recognizing that everybody had a new way of working. It wasn't the same old for anybody. But it did mean that having data in the cloud meant that everybody, contractor, designer, also the client, Highways England, could see the state of the data at will whenever they wanted, they could see how the progress was was going on. And on site, that really added for um, answering um, questions and planning for unforeseen um, conditions or changes to the scope or the needs that, of the people on site. So, um, for example, if a new borehole position was required, we could look at where we'd already collected the information live, make an informed decision on where best to place the next piece, um, next exploratory position. Um, and it also that one-to-one -one interaction with the site, everyone on site allowed everybody to move together in getting that data correct first time. And it really streamlined the pr uh, process. Uh, and then we were able to um, get all our lab scheduling um, done really proficiently and effectively. So can you explain how the cloud approach improved the work in terms of the modelling and whether the work's reached the stage that you can actually give us some insight on how the cloud-based approach in the early stages fed benefits through to the design and delivery? We can try, yes. Um, going back to the previous example on M25, unfortunately it didn't because Covid came along and really got in the way. So the detailed design was carried out during Covid in India and understandably, everybody reverted to what they knew whilst they were sat at home on their own, trying to get connection into whatever systems they could. Um, there was also program budgetary constraints, which meant little visual modeling was actually done on that project. Um, there was maybe a, a tenuous benefit from having the data in the cloud rather than on our on-premise servers in that because it was in the cloud, it was generally more accessible. So particularly out in rural India, connections aren't necessarily that good. But because it was in the cloud, they could get hold of the data if they needed. But that said, uh, the data they inherited at Detail Design was in a good place, due in no small part to the way it had been obtained and processed. And we expect other projects to benefit from this cloud approach also. So leaving that examples on site, the main benefit so far that our cloud approach are moving, um, 
The main benefits so far are that the cloud approach moves much of that data verification and validation towards the front of the project. So the data the designers receive from the GI is much cleaner and enables them to use more of their time to extract value from it rather than cleaning it up. And whether that's full 3D modeling or a more usual ground modeling by way of 2D sections and data plots or a mix of the two, depends to some extent on the project's requirements and the density of the data points and the appetite of the client even. But whatever it is, the designers will benefit from having more time to use the data and need less time to ready it for use. I formed part of the site team for Junction 10 for a brief period. And as a modeler, I prefer looking and thinking in 3D. And whilst there, I was able to run quick um, CAD sections using the open ground um, integration from the cloud into the Civil 3D suite and was able to run cross sections and be able to view the data that we did have that was ready, uh, that had we had done geological interpretation on in the field to enable me to feel more equipped of what I was going to be seeing on site. Um, so it wasn't necessarily for design, but being able to run those quick sections on data that I could be trusted gave me real insight of the conditions that could be expected on site. It's almost unheard of to be able to do that kind of modelling in the field, isn't it? It is rare. I think there are a few more examples where it's happening now. Um, people are becoming more confident in the data and, therefore, and also confident in their modelling capabilities. We've had a real drive to get people to run cross-sections within um, the um, open ground software themselves um, from the cloud data, and then those more advanced can do it within Civil 3D. Uh, just one example, there are lots of other modeling packages um, and cross-section tools that we use, um, but that ability to gain some more confidence and some clarity in your either proposed or known ground conditions has got a real benefit and that trust in that data really is what drives people to do that because they know there is some confidence in what they're visualizing. Yeah I, I wanted to ask about bringing people on this journey what, what kind of skills do you have to have to move to work in this way and did you have to train people to work and behave differently was there any resistance to moving to this form of working? Um, the solution we chose Hobby SSI which is now open ground, was virtually identical to the solution we had on-premise. So that meant the user interface was virtually unchanged from what they had before. So for the user, the experience at the basic level was essentially identical, and therefore no training required for the day-to-day -day stuff that they've been using it for. Um, obviously, it did allow us to do things that we couldn't before, particularly around collaborative working with external organizations and sharing access to our single source of truth in the guise of a single database for everybody. But this could be brought in much more gradually on a case-by-case -case basis. So there's no step change at all, and therefore no resistance. The biggest changes were behind the scenes. The changeover meant we had to transfer all of our project data from on-premise database servers to the cloud. And this had a number of advantages, which were the main reasons for doing it. Um, there was enhanced backup and disaster resilience capability guaranteed by the cloud provider. So I think Amazon Web Services. This guaranteed access capability to a level of something like 99.99% of the time. 
There's no need to maintain our own database or the infrastructure it ran on. And therefore it was, I guess, cheaper. But there were much easier software update protocols. This is a big win for us. Because updates are pushed from the cloud directly to the user, there's no need to involve our own IT. So there's no need for our own IT to package each update individually, which took months. And it ensures that everybody's on the same release without any need for management intervention at all. We don't even need to remind them to do it. But, quite a big but, but a long, a short term but, is that it did need an IT project to complete the switch with no loss of data and importantly, minimal downtime for the users. So logistically, it was a bit of a challenge, but definitely worth doing and the users had no idea. So some of the capabilities we've realized quite gradually, as data is now in the cloud, it's accessible to other applications via an API. So we can do things with it that we simply couldn't do before. Um, for example, we can now have live ground data in a project GIS, which is just another way for users to um, consume the data. We can have GI progress dashboards in Power BI and we can use bespoke Python scripts, taking live data to manipulate in some project specific way to do some project specific purpose, whatever it is. We couldn't do that before. Stephanie, did you have anything to add on the skill side of things, particularly perhaps on the behavior or the culture side of things? Because that must have been a bit of a shift. As Simon said, I don't think the shift was that large of a shift change for people because we'd already started to take them in the on the journey when we were originally on whole base SI. Um, I think really supporting teams, which we'd had um, experience with previously, again, as saying about labs and um, the contractors in terms of upskilling everybody that was involved in using these platforms that we were using. I think us having gone through that, when we then moved to the cloud, it was the same thing again, and maybe we were just better equipped for doing that little bit of training or upskilling or supporting people because we'd already had the experience of doing it. So it didn't seem as a large shift change and it wasn't a big ask for us to upskill people, nor for those that we'd already been on the journey with previously. Um, it wasn't a large extra thing that we were asking them to do. Taking on the responsibility of their own data is something that the cloud enables. Um, and I personally think it allows them to have more confidence in what they're delivering and more pride um, because it's not a case of just handing it over to a data manager on a project and them taking care of the um, correcting of the details um, and that part or an email exchange, which can be frustrating for both parties. The cloud enables the contractor to upload the data directly and therefore they gain confidence themselves and know that their time isn't going to be wasted by having back and forth pieces as well. So there's that encouragement piece and bringing people along, but also them then seeing the benefit makes them want to do it better themselves, I think. What about the clients? Simon, you touched on talking about the client's journey earlier. How did you take them on the journey with you to change the way you manage the data for the, their projects? Have they generally been receptive to the change or are they the ones helping to drive it? Um, with 
M25 Viz projects, we had a set of really receptive, hands-on project managers from Highways England. <clears throat> they were really supportive of what we wanted to do and really bought into our approach. They could see the benefit of being able to see the state of their own data whenever they needed to or wanted to. So, but to get things moving, I wanted to make sure everybody was on the same page from the beginning. And as it was a program of similar projects around the M25, I think they could see the benefits from them across the program, rather than it being just one initiative on one project amongst many. So it could have set a legacy, maybe it did. But they helped us by hosting a workshop for all prospective GI contractors, where we set out the vision, introduced the draft data management plan, and what we wanted to do, essentially one source of truth per project, digital transfer of data directly to the database, a web portal, digital laboratory test scheduling and progress monitoring, all of that kind of thing. Then ask for their comments, their opinions, any showstoppers from where they were coming from. And that gave us the opportunity to tweak things, change the workflows, um, basically get everybody on the same side, pushing in the same direction. So obviously they did have plenty of comments and challenges because they say, we don't do that, we do things differently. So, you know, you challenge them and say, well, can you do it differently? Can you do it a different way? Yes, you can. Uh, we did change a few things on the back of their comments. The basic vision, however, survived. And when put into practice, worked surprisingly well for a first time. It was a truly collaborative set of projects with cloud data practices being the enabler. So, so what have been the key lessons you've learned from the cloud approach on recent projects? And is there anything you'd do differently now if you were setting up those projects today? I think that the most important thing that we've realised is that you need to take everybody along the journey with you. I think we need to have these conversations from the outset with all parties involved and get everybody's buy-in. Um, there are standards that are expected now from the client side. We as the designers have certain things that we would expect and there's an increasing number of contractors and other smaller parties that are all coming up to the same standard. But I think it's important to have those conversations at the beginning that if there's any individuals or teams that aren't aware of the way they should be delivering or can't deliver it in a certain way. Let's have those open conversations and let's all go on the journey together and we can assist you or well. Uh, there's definite learning that we can always take and practices that we can um, learn from. So having that open dialogue, um, as said before, on site weekly meetings is really useful for the data managers from either side to really um, work out their problems. Um, adapt, allowing for adaption and moving these um, procedures and workflows that they're developing. There's always going to be something that you can learn from the last project or someone else's project and experience, feeding that in um, into one central hub library that it, We've chosen at Atkins to have a central library of data management plans, case studies, to help our team go out and speak to others about the benefits of the cloud and how they can implement it on their projects. Because we're wanting more of our team members to take on the data management or custodian role themselves. 
Um, I don't think it is right that it is limited to a certain pool of people. Um, everybody should take pride and um, have responsibility for the data that is being inputted and um, analysed and taken forward. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I'd agree with all of that. Um, so just to sum up, I mean, I think that, as Stephanie said, the key point is to involve all of the key stakeholders from day one. Make sure your data management plan addresses everybody's needs, not just yours. And if there's anything in the proposals that is going to be difficult or annoying to implement for anybody, change it so it isn't, because your project will run much more smoothly if everyone's pulling in the same direction. And have regular check-ins. Is, there any, is everything going correctly? Are there any trip-ups? If so, what can we do about them? Uh, and a lot of this isn't really about cloud data management. It's about collaboration. Cloud data management enables better collaboration, but it's still collaboration, and, and that's really important. What about the future? I understand you're now applying use of cloud-based data management to your work on the Lower Thames Crossing. Can you tell us a bit more about the work you're doing there and how what you've learned from recent projects is being applied there? So national highways themselves have come a long way with their GI data specifications and standards. So there's much less data validation to do by the designers on receipt of data than there maybe used to be. Um, I had a look at some LTC data just the other day and it was essentially error-free on delivery. Um, that used to be unusual. Um, it's as it should be, of course, but unfortunately, frequently wasn't. But having clean data no doubt helped in the decision to produce a 3D geological model of the whole scheme in LeapFrog to inform the tender stage for the LTC project. And Stephanie might be able to add a bit onto the bones of that because she did it. So if we had had to clean up the data first, it maybe wouldn't have happened. But it does put us in a great place as we contemplate the start design for the Road to North part of the project with our partners in Balfour BT, because we've already got the basic ground model. So experience since we've, we've gained since moving to the cloud in 2019 means we have a much better idea of what we can do with our data and how we can leverage it for the benefit of the entire project team. So uh, just to throw a few examples in, a 3D geological model integrated with the project attributed 3D model above ground is, I'd say, much more likely to happen. Data presented in the project GIS pulled directly from open ground via the API is pretty much a certainty. Analysis using ground data pulled directly from open ground via the API currently is a bit of a work in progress, but definitely on, on the horizon, both for us and Sequent. Um, Power BI dashboards for program management, we can do now using the data in the cloud. And for anyone in the project team to have access to the base data if they need it is pretty much a given. They can have it. There will be security protocols, but if they need access to the data, they can have it. Before we come over to Stephanie, there's one point you just made there, Simon, I'd like to come back to you. When we were having the conversation before we started recording, you were talking about when you were early on in your career, how much time you used to spend cleaning up data. Can you compare what you've done on Lower Thames Crossing to perhaps how things were back when you were a young, fresh graduate on site in terms of cleaning up data? 
Um, in the old days, I would spend days and days and days cleaning up data. Um, for low terms crossing, I wasn't involved in the tender stage, but judging by the state of the data that I picked up from the data room just the other day, I'd say it was probably measured in hours rather than days. Which for a massive project like that's amazing really, isn't it? I think that's really important because um, Sequence article recently about um, data management, they, you know, the feedback was unmanaged historical data and data from other providers is one of the largest sticking points and hurdles that we are having to overcome in this area. And I think that's one of the lot strongest barriers that we have. So that example right there is just a fantastic showcase of where we can be going and it will be the normal. The work on low attempts crossing is obviously in the early stages. Uh, Simon, you've just mentioned a bunch of advantages that the cloud-based approach is going to bring during the making of it. But what, what about the outcome? What will it deliver for the outcome of low attempts crossing? Crystal ball gazing, but hopefully delivery will be more efficient. Design might be more accurate, depending on how you define accurate, but material handling plans are more likely to accurately reflect the reality of what's found in the field because we'll have much better data to base that those decisions on. Um, everybody on the project will have access to the exact same ground data, so it won't be a case of, here's the factual report, go away, do your own interpretation. They'll all have the same data, the same interpretation whether that's direct through the database or through the project GIS, it won't matter, it's the same stuff. So there shouldn't be any gaps in knowledge across the team. And piling contractors always complain that they never get ground data for their piling designs, piling installations. There's no reason they can't, and with this approach, they're probably more likely to get it because there's a single source of truth. I think it's also they also complain that if they do get it, it's in paper format, which obviously this is a million miles away from that. Oh, a million miles away. I think it's really, we went on this journey for cl the cloud and our data management a few years ago, and that was seemed cutting edge at the time, maybe. Now we are using that data and what maybe we're, a year or two ago thinking cutting edge was producing ground models or some type of visual delivery of this data that we have sat in the cloud um, is now even more becoming the norm and that visual um, delivery or visual interpretation of this factual data that we have in the cloud is becoming again another way of working um, and so reliance on that is not just seen on lower Thames crossing, we're seeing it across all of our projects that we can produce a basic ground model that um, is taken straight from the cloud. Um, and that certainty on our data um, allows for um, more de developmental thinking and processing um, of other streamlined ways of working. Um, and we can look at developing pipelines into various analytical pieces of software um, and again, just feeding into that larger picture and helping everybody understand what we're trying to um, implement or construct. Cool. So based on your experience so far using the approach, have you got any advice for people just taking their first steps into using cloud-based data management? Adoption. Adoption. You need to take everybody on that journey with you. Um, there are various um, business management um, ways of doing these pieces. 
um, such as ADCAR. Um, it really depends how you need to, for your, um, it really depends on your business how the best way to get people to come onto this journey um, is, whether you start at the top or you start from the bottom and how can you support the people. Um, but that is um, really important. Um, but the industry is already there. These BIM compliance is something that we have to do within our industry. Um, it is mandated by the government. Um, it's non-negotiable. Um, and how that impacts our discipline and our part of the industry, um, the cloud just really helps deliver that. So if that is the case study that you need, it is here and we just need to Absolutely. do it. I think that is truly the answer, just do it. With the right tools, it opens up so many possibilities that you probably never thought of at the start of the process, although we've given you some insight into a few of them. But essentially, don't be afraid of it. If you're going to do it, do it as a process, do it as a project, get, get what you want out of it written down at the beginning, but do it. Brilliant. So on the theme of just do it, before we finish, let's do some future gazing and work out where we could be if we just do it. So it'll be a few years before work starts on lower terms crossing actually on the ground, depending on whether planning approval is granted. But what about the use of cloud-based data management for other construction projects? Where do you hope the industry will be in 10 years' time if they just do it? And what barriers exist to us getting there? Well, um, short term, I think the cutting edge now will be com commonplace then. Data transfer by data file will be largely a thing of the past in that all transfers will be direct database to database. Or even the case that no data will be transferred at all. It's just that the data will sit where it was first created and the databases will simply communicate with each other. Um, slightly longer term, maybe medium term. We're already seeing construction plan that's essentially satellite controlled in its movements using data uploaded from cloud-based construction models. Uh, so I expect that will be much more common. I think with that, you might see drilling rigs automatically logging and uploading their data direct onto the cloud from the rig in real time. There's also an expectation 3D virtualization will have moved into the field. Um, constructors will be able to see in real time the 3D model of their project, superimposed on the reality of what is actually in front of them. And that will obviously include the ground layers, all driven from data in the cloud, downloaded on demand in real time. So that really should be a big help in real-time avoidance of service clashes and other kinds of clashes could largely eradicate service strikes, but only if we know where the services are. And at the moment, frankly, they're not that accurate. So yeah, we need to know where the services are for that to come true. That all sounds amazing. Are there any barriers to getting there though? I mean, Steffi, you already talked about the data side of things. What other barriers perhaps are there? There's inertia by people We've already spoken about um, people being reluctant to take on cloud-based data management. And mostly that's down to they don't really know what they're going to get. They're maybe slightly afraid of the future. They're comfortable with what they've got and they've got workarounds. 
and they think I'm alright Jack but if if they're not careful then the future will run away from them and they'll be left behind but yeah there, there's always an inertia in people and organisations um, adopting new technology there's there's the, the bell curve that most people know about there's um, the really, really, really early adopters who find all the problems with the software before it gets adopted. And then there's the, the early adopters who see, okay, it looks reasonably okay now. Nothing too much should go wrong with it, so I'm going to jump on before everyone else does. And then eventually you get to the point where it's commonplace and everyone's using the same tool that right? you've got with Microsoft Word and Excel and whatnot. But it's, it's a curve. It's a learning curve for everybody and it depends on your appetite for new things as to where on that curve you jump on it. I also think a key barrier is actually um, get data governance and who owns what. And especially with the field that we look at, especially, especially um, interpretation, um, how reliable is that? How can that be um, communicated? Um, and who is responsible for these cloud models, let alone the interpretation that's seen in them. Um, the ground um, has unknown variables and quantities. Um, so a piece on that is really important. Um, and you're seeing a lot of data governance um, pieces and articles being written about the use of um, AI and machine learning and how that, the kind of how that plays in. Um, I think, that is a new exciting area and if we we're talking again about long term i think how that plays into that's the use of ai and machine learning within our sector specifically is really interesting um it's a really interesting piece um and how are we going to use it effectively i think we really can Using AI and machine learning on the data that we've got stored on the cloud could potentially be informing on gap analysis, uh, resource allocation. Um, looking, we could have the properties of the ground um, stored and um, be make, making informed decisions on um, from the information that we already have. I think that would be a really important development. Um, and saving money for projects, um, like I was saying before, that unmanaged historical data um, using machine learning and AI could really help with us getting pieces onto the cloud, but then processing what we already have um, and sharing it wider. It sounds like there's some huge opportunities there, but also some great challenges ahead. But as engineers, we love a challenge, don't we, like problem solving? So thank you both for joining us today to share your experience and insight with us. It's been a fascinating discussion and we look forward to following your work on Lower Thames Crossing as that project gets underway. Thank you. This is the last episode of the Engineers Collective that I'm hosting as I'm leaving New Civil Engineer this month, but the rest of the team will be back soon with another episode. Join us again soon. The Engineers Collective is powered by Sequent, the subsurface software specialists. Around the world, teams are using Plaxis, Open Ground, Leapfrog Works, and Geo Studio to design, build, and operate safe, sustainable, and long-lasting infrastructure. 
from roads to rail, bridges to tunnels, and buildings, dams, and levees. To find out more, visit sequent.com forward slash civil.